Everybody, how's it going out there? It's the boys from the Midwest back kicking it here in the rumpus room, and let's hit them with the takeaway message of the day. Back on the topic of persuasion. So today's message is be visual and be simple. So make sure that you communicate what your features are, what people need to do with their app. That's what's going to um, get people interested instead of this long story about uh, you know, when I started thinking about doing this app, I was, you know, struggling. What people want to know is what it does for them right away, and then they'll formulate how they use the app. And the next thing that, that has worked for me really well in just some of these kind of pitch meetings or when I'm trying to sell my app is uh, to envision kind of talk about how they would use the app so they can envision themselves with it. So those are just good persuasion techniques is to be visual, the Donald Trump build a wall. That's a really good persuasive technique because what he's trying to do is get you to f realize how important immigration is. I mean, before this, I had, you know, immigration to me didn't matter, but the build the wall thing is like super uh, it's visual. It's visual. It's simple. Mm -hmm. It's uh, so simple. Yeah. Yep. You know, build the wall or like, I know we talked about this before, but like, how do you give things you're talking about more visual representation? Mm -hmm. um, and politically, it's one thing, but when you're in your business, like I'm going to save you a dump truck of money, you know, just things like that. Just imagine how much, money how much money fill, is in a dump truck. This table. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about what a hundred thousand dollars looks like in a dump truck. And like people are now thinking about a hundred thousand dollars in, in a, a dump, dump truck. truck. So what do you think they're going to leave the meeting thinking? I want a dump truck. Of I want money. a dump truck of a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which is still just a hundred thousand dollars. It's a hundred thousand dollars, but it sounds better. In it a sounds dump a hell truck. of a lot better with a, a dump truck. What if I pulled a semi, yeah. backed it in with a hundred thousand dollars in there? How many semis do you think it would take? Now they're thinking about stored cash. If it's in five dollar bills, what are the bills? I mean. Let's get visual. That's one of those tactics that you would think would be in an outlandish movie where you'd be like, I'm going to need a place to offload three dump trucks of cash <laughs> when we're done with this deal. Yep. Where am I going to go to dump off three truckloads of cash? Do you have a big enough loading dock? How bad do you want to sign this deal? Yeah. You know what I mean? That sounds very much like a For sure. like a Wall Street-esque. Yeah, which like... Is, is obviously one of the reasons that they've had tons of success. Yeah. They're out there selling dump trucks. Everybody dump else trucks is selling calculator figures, yeah. you know? Here's, according to my Excel spreadsheet, uh, we could save you $1 million. Where, or the guy that's like, I'm going to put six semis in your backyard with the $100 bills. <laughs> there are going to be flashing lights, boobs, butts. <laughs> Everybody's going to be having a good time. Fireworks. It's, it's the good. 4th it, of July of cash. Just think Do you about want the 4th of July of cash. Have you ever shaken LeBron wedding? James's hand? His hand is huge. Imagine me bringing a LeBron James to your party to shake your hand with dump trucks of money in your backyard. 
I mean, this person now is on cloud frickin' nine. Hell yeah. yeah. Let's sign this deal. I'm going to go. Yeah. They leave just like, what just happened? From the top rope. That's what that is. Oh, top, yeah. Top rope selling. Yeah, that's yeah. complicated. Let's, let's figure out what uh, drives human being behavior and just hit that one out of the park. Dump so. loads, dump trucks of cash. Yeah, you've been telling an interesting story about some working with some gray beards in your organization as mm-hmm. versus young bucks, and I have, um, you, you know, so you're basically. I'm going to paraphrase. You're working with a lawyer who's a 70 year old guy, very experienced, knows exactly a lot of the tactics that some of your counterparties are are deploying, and mm-hmm. um, I was we were having a discussion earlier about like the life cycle of a person in their career, mm-hmm. you know, um, because I was chatting with this dude the other day who has ran a consulting firm and here's, here's a 60 year old guy who has been in the industry for, you know, 40 years and sold a consulting business. And I'm a 29 year old who has a consulting business. And one of his questions was, well, did you, why, why didn't you try to build a firm? And um, as a as a twenty five year old consultant, you're gonna build a firm. It's pretty tough to get somebody who's like less 40. knowledgeable than you and capable to sit in the discussion. The reason you're there is because you're the youngest person absolutely possible to be yeah. able to be in the discussion. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of articulating that I was like, you know, it was really hard for me to pass off any work because. I was barely able to do it myself, <laughs> you know, like, let alone get some fresh grad out of school and be just like, wide eyed. Yeah. Let me break this down for you so you can do this so I can go generate other business. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have that freedom. And when you're, you know, when you've got 20, 30 years in the field, it's a little different to be able to be like, let me articulate this so that a young buck can go out and be successful at that table too. Mm-hmm. And I even tried working with people who were, you know, right out of school and had some success with some and I mean, moderate, mild to moderate success overall. And it was really remedial tasks and ultimately training. I was spending too much time doing that. And my clients, I wasn't able to do enough client facing time. Mm -hmm. And I thought, so I thought that was really kind of an interesting question because I've, as a young consultant, I've typically been the youngest person at the table mm-hmm. let alone here you want to bring your i'm going to bring an even younger version in. of me that's <laughs> much less equipped to do this work than i am who's going to obviously lose the business because the clients can be like who the fuck is this idiot you know yeah how much you paying that guy to be here exactly so um i never really was able to to get over that hump in terms of you know taking myself out of the work doing Mm-hmm. which is like what you have to do if you're able to build a business that is a consulting model, you know, yeah. obviously. Well, it's almost any business. Most businesses, if you want them to scale and for you to pull pull away and start doing other value-add activity, you need people to just fill in and do the work. Yeah, which in a product focus is usually when it's not, I mean, it's consulting is, is a skills, knowledge-based industry. So service. Service. Yeah. So you're providing a service very hard. You're it's a body. in the market of, well, it's a body, but it's also like I'm, I'm hiring. It's a free agent. An expertise. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, yeah. you're like, I, I'm going to, 
blow my cap space on this person because I can hit threes because yeah they've they're on a shit team and they can hit threes and our perimeter game is weak right now yeah you know, we, we need, need to stretch outside, the court we need an outside score so, we're gonna bring him in for the playoff stretch it's after the all-star break you know mm-hmm. what I mean like it's yeah and um and, and so he it was, I, th- I found that to be really interesting and you are on the other You're side more, of it. I think you'd be more of like a rebound defensive specialist sure I, I mean that's that's what <laughs> that's I did that's you I did yeah. and so uh, just to speak on that because I, I did really enjoy uh, playing pickup basketball particularly at the university so um, we would have these games going and there would be um, the Far East Court and if <laughs> If you know what I mean, <laughs> there was, mm-hmm. uh, and then there would be the uh, the more shall we say um, urban court, mm-hmm. which um, I tended to try and play on because it was a lot uh, more exciting. stiff competition. Yeah, and in for those of you who haven't played pickup ball in a while, there's no ref uh, except if you're on offense, you can call fouls. And any time somebody would come into the lane, I would, you know, to drive on me or whatever, and I would typically just hack them because I was like, okay, you know, either you can score two points on me or I can follow, follow you really hard. Take the ball and go Take the to ball the back of the, to the top, top of the, of the key. Great. Let's do this again because I will do this all day. And inevitably, there's no foul limit. There's no foul limit. You're not sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I stopped playing organized basketballs. Because <laughs> this is too you had hard. four to, fouls by the second it's quarter. It's too hard to play clean anymore. You know, like, well, nobody plays clean. Nobody plays plays clean, no. But um, and it would it would usually get to the point where um, you know, I, I successive fouls, whatever mm-hmm. tempers start to flare. It's not much of a chatter, so I didn't talk much. Um, but I I did manage to get threatened on a few occasions, which was mm. you knew you you're getting under their skin because I'm I'm a very annoying pickup basketball player. Yeah, I'm the type. Well, you that do the stuff that nobody wants anybody I, else to do in a pickup basketball game. I will lock down, defend the best player, face guarding. F- defense. I will face guard defense, deny the, ball access. They will score points, and I'll be in his pocket. Mm-hmm. If and he, you're denying access to the ball. Oh yeah, which is I'm like, do you want to work? If you have to get, me? if you have to move to get the ball in a pickup basketball game, you're, you're not, pissed. You're not happy. No, because that's effort. Yeah. You do not want to expend. And if you're the best player on the team, how much do you want to work off ball? That's what I'm asking you. Mm-hmm. This is a pickup game. Yeah. How hard do you want to work to get access to the rock? Yeah, this doesn't Typically, mean dribbling. This means get the chance to dribble. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it is funny. This actually goes back to like there was a, uh, I think you, I think it's Outliers. Gladwell mm-hmm. talks about yeah. the young girls basketball team who, They'd pick up at they full would court press. Full court press every single time because like nobody prepared for six it. Six middle school, you know, how what is the ball handling handling capabilities of a middle school well, there's girl usually in house basketball that can dribble the ball, so you mm-hmm. deny them access to the ball and everybody else is up and, shit creek, it's going off their foot half the time. Well and the story goes that this team was so successful that they started fights. I mean, parents would be yelling at the officials, and they're not doing anything that's wrong. No, they were full court pressing and winning sixty to zero. And girls could hardly get the ball past half court because what he taught them was defense. That's all he taught them was defense. Yeah, and he he was exploiting the weakest component of the game, which was. Dribble the dribble all the way down to the other side of the court 
And so and it I mean, was like in what we we watch basketball and we see them jaunt their way up to half court. So we think that's basketball. Yeah, that's what basketball is to us. Is like playing on the other half. And he said, "Well, there's a whole other half, and you only get ten seconds to bring it over." So he just looked at what was the weakest point in the game and just, you know, military strategist. He exploited it, and I find that that was similar to what I was trying to do is simplify the equation. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, but like what is what do you need to manage that you can do mm-hmm. that, okay, it's not shooting, it's not reba- it's not dribbling, it's there's it's defense. Make a pl- make our team play for make their team play four on four without their best player. That was my whole goal is like simplify it. Mm-hmm. And um I, I just was thinking about that in the context of like uh of like the sort of trajectory of where an individual is in their career. Mm-hmm. You've got young bucks right out of school you have us who are more what I would call experienced professionals, but certainly not experts in the field. Mm. Yeah. And, um, uh, I've been exposed to a different component. So like with my new clients, basically I've been moving into a new role where I'm exposed to a bunch of people who I would consider to be experts in the field. Mm -hmm. And it's just remarkable how much, I mean, it's kind of like if you want something done, ask a young person. If you want something done well or done correctly, ask an old person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your dealings with your lawyer is just an example of like how valuable experience is. Yeah, they've done this so many times. And that's what the story is. They've, you know, he's dealt with this type of, we'll just call it a negotiator so many times. And he just was giving all of the ways that he was going to just uh, kind of attack this person or not attack, but just kind of exploit their weaknesses, you know, and it, you know, it's like an aggressive person. Well, they can't be aggressive if they don't have an email, you know, it's like, so you can, that you can use the, these things and, you know, being on my side, I haven't done this. So being surrounded by people that know exactly what to do in these situations is so valuable it really helps me, um, makes us look good. And then, you know, there's just little things that you can tell that he does to kind of work the game even more, which are well thought out, mm-hmm. which kind of look like to me, it's like, oh my gosh, it's totally an over overstep or he has no idea what he's doing. It's like, well, that's kind of what he wants everybody to think. Cause it's like really interesting. Cause I think when you're, when you're, Younger, you miss a lot of those things, and you kind of come char- well, you, you charging even, in bold. Don't even know what to look for, mm-hmm. you know. And you make your separate judgments, which somebody that's seen this three, four times before you showed up just knows exactly what to do. And they just cut to the heart of the matter, and uh, instead of avoiding all of the energy that you would spend in order to like dig that hole yourself to mm-hmm. find that rock, they're like, just dig right there and go that direction. Yeah, which, pull on this thread and just pull it really hard, and which, pull it a lot. I'm going to keep pulling it. And my whole point with this is just how valuable that sort of intergenerational and inter-experience is. Mm-hmm. Anytime you've got conversations that are just kind of at that same level, yeah. unless you've got people who are really good at translating it into the other levels of the business. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've typically found that that is where a lot of execution falls short is when you don't have that sort of 
um, constant chain throughout the organization that that fault waterfall of information of knowledge of expertise yep. um, and, and that's something that if you're not in a position to know what I'm talking about or you haven't been in a position to do that in a while and you're very interested in rapid growth in your abilities I would find somebody that's older <laughs> yeah, find somebody who's and, done it and learn from them that's what they they talk about the what's the the model where you find an apprenticeship model is something that a lot of people that have been successful they you stick on somebody's hip that's done this before learn all the things watch what they do and then you kind of know that quicker so mm -hmm. you're able to use their expertise and learn it and not have to do it like make the mistakes yourself or be in a position where you can receive that feedback or because that knowledge is power and some people will use that knowledge to their advantage and consolidate power by keeping it, that knowledge internal yep. and some people just share it and I mean that it's been Call very refreshing yeah it's been very refreshing to be exposed to that type of approach with some knowledge experts and you're like okay yeah everything you say makes sense now I can go do what I need to do to help enable that vision because I wasn't even aware that that was really exactly what was supposed to happen <laughs> I knew that was supposed to happen yep. but it was like I see what we're trying to do but I don't know how to build the ramp but you just kind of told me hey build the ramp like that this is how you build the ramp exactly these are the three things that we need to build the ramp you can do two of them this person needs to do the other one go you know, yeah. And then you go out and build those two things. They build the third, and then you got your ramp. Rather than you formulating a plan on a ramp, you know, it's just like that. Yeah. Well, it's the uh, the antithesis is me building four different ramps and, and then trying choose one and then trying Let's try each going of them. Off of, yeah. Which, which was is what I we were raised. Yeah, and that's pretty much how I've been building my startup. Which mm -hmm. you know, when you're building in an industry where you, nothing that you've set out to do has ever been done before that's just going to be the process so you better just get used to it you well, know that's what, I mean? what and i think that's the big difference between companies that try things at very small scales can kind of figure out in these newer i mean that's where you make most of your money in a company is like a new offering that people don't have mm -hmm. you know you can have your kind of amazon aws thing going but that's not going to be forever you know you that and that's the main money pit but you need to be successful in these other areas. And I think these that's rapid experimentation mm -hmm. is extremely valuable. That's just how you learn as a human being. You know, that's just how do you learn how to um, ride a bike? Well, you crash. You fall. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, since we're still on the business thing, let's talk a bit about stock options because you have mentioned that there have been some folks who have expressed, shall we say, disproportionate interests. Well, I think lots of people today everybody reads about Facebook has stock options and these guys became multi multi-millionaires and they had 0.01% of the company and so I think there's a very high precedent to joining a company and asking for stock options very early well, and, I fell into that trap mm -hmm. when I was starting out of school because it was all about equity and I knew what was actually valuable in a company was equity mm -hmm. so I was grossly over representing the value I could probably probably add and it seems like you're on the other side of the negotiating table yeah, and that, folks that's that do exactly that. what it, that's people walk in with this kind of overinflated view of what they can provide and I think the difficult thing as a business owner is you know prove it to me I can give you and I think 
that's where it's easier to give value after the fact, but that doesn't, that requires trust in that person to give it to you, Mm -hmm. which is always a different, if you don't know somebody, you may not trust them to give that to you further on down the road. The hard thing is there's a lot of people out there that it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. I can do all this for you. Look at all this stuff I can do, but they don't execute Mm -hmm. and they don't get it done. And so that is always what everybody is struggling with in these kind of initial stock options. And I, the younger you are, the less of a chance you may have. And if, you know, I know Silicon Valley is doing a lot of this stuff. They're handing out a lot of options. You know, if you're competing against Google, that's something that you can offer that Google can't is some type of probably good incentive. Um, But the difficult thing is like, it's this trust issue of is stock options going to make sense? And once you start handing them out, you have to keep handing them out. Yeah. And if you're one of those folks who is on the asking for stock option side of the table, just recognize that you're basically, you're asking for a piece of the baby. You know what I mean? Like that's the most value as a founder. Like that's why you do it. It's not like you're trying to go out and I mean, you are trying to go out and make a bunch of cash, but you're trying to go out and make a bunch of cash so that your asset is valuable. Yeah. And that you're, you work for this thing. And the hard thing is people show up at different points in a company and expect have you know, old, like, let's have you, gross expectations you think like okay this thing has started a long time ago yeah there and and the the thing about it is like the biggest push is at the beginning yeah it's not it's not, not hey the, the, the boulders the sort boulders of rolling down, down the, hill. the hill now and but you're asking like to be like one of the people pulling who put, the boulder up the yeah. hill and giving it a shove where were you a then? lot yeah. of work and that's where if you start companies together at the same time in the beginning makes things, those discussions are a little easier. And then you run into, are you pulling your weight or not? And that's always issues Horrible. there. So, you know, choose your partners wisely is always what everybody says. You know, it's, it's, it is like a marriage and it's, you got to kind of assess that person before you jump in. No kidding. And, um, I, in turn, you know, we, Kobe obviously has been in, big in the news, but I thought you had a great soundbite in interpreting why he was such a big influence on people around. Um, so would you want to talk a little bit about that? The we're, we're, mentality. Yeah, we're kind of on the uh, so we're kind of on the crushing spectrum right now, so we might as well keep crushing. Yeah, let's roll know? this yeah. one. Let's roll yeah. this down. The, this boulder's rolling. Yeah. Let's keep pushing. So there's this absolutely amazing. So everybody talks about the Mamba mentality. And I had been hearing about this a lot. And so I went in and read a book about it and got really interested in it. And so what the Mamba mentality is, is you basically create this alter ego that shows up when you need it. And so you choose, I want somebody to, I'm business Sam. So we'll just call business me. And I, you know, I could call it whatever, Tim. Tim shows up and he needs to be, these are the qualities I want him to have. But what you do is you separate yourself from this business person. So personally, and this is what I find is in a lot of these moments that are really important. So like you're shooting the clutch shot. What you do is you start to bring in your personal identity. So you question yourself, like, am I the type of person that takes this shot? So you hesitate. And we all know hesitation in these high pressure moments, your identity is a very powerful thing. And those moments that comes in and just starts to, just screw with your mind. 
And so what Kobe did is he created this Mamba, the Mamba mentality, who is that's who showed up in the games. And he could take on all of the booing and everything. And that's who showed up in the games, not the Kobe Bryant that was at home with his family. So he separated himself from that. And what it does is it, it allows you to not become so personally invested in what you're doing. Well, and then you can go into somebody on the practice court and be like, you're effing dogging it. Why are you so lazy? You know what I mean? And that mm-hmm. was big central to him is practices were he was yelling at absurdly. People. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that would be really taken aback until you realize, well, that's like on the court, Kobe, that's, yeah. that's not Kobe as a dad, you know no. what I mean? And yep. he, he was really able to separate those things. And I think when you're in the working world, it's way harder to do that just because the working world is so clearly like more of a sort of social game that you consider part of your identity. I mean, basketball happens when you're on the court and it's not, you know, there's four quarters or whatever like that to me is a little bit easier. It's cut off at this certain point. Yeah. Yeah, And obviously those lines are getting more and more blurry as the office starts to sort of um, work goes home. Work goes home with you. Work goes everywhere with you. So you know, how are you in the office versus when you're at home on your computer versus when you're on your. So I, I thought that was just a really great way to talk about how um, you can have multiple different identities or personas, and it doesn't necessarily mean you, you know, you are that type of person. It just means yep. an aspect of you is that type of person. Is doing the work, and what yep. I found is it actually has. It's freed me up. And there's times when I get really frustrated at work and I can just say, well, that's not that's not who I am personally. Like I can I'm making a decision because everybody knows what they need to get the work done. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to be an asshole right now. I need to get on this person's case to get the work done mm-hmm. or I need to negotiate and say some things that probably aren't going to be super nice or I need to. There's a weakness out there, and I need to really crank on it. Mm-hmm. Say it's from a partner, not a partner, but like somebody, a company you're working with that isn't doing their job, and you think there's an opportunity for you as a company. You need to go after that a little more. But it's how do you separate yourself personally from that? Because I think for me, I always found myself asking the question of, would I do this as a person? Yeah, is this who I moments? am? Yep. And it caused me all of this hesitation tons mm-hmm. of hesitation mm-hmm. and the separation has been it's like a a new page for me it's great because mm-hmm. it allows you to just go and execute and then you can design this alter ego and kind of make it you can learn from it like oh this is this person who's showing up oh maybe that's probably not a good way to be all right let's change it a little bit and it allows you instead of being like oh i don't want to change myself I, this is who i am you know i think i'm a nice guy but there's a nice guy so it's it just separates and it, it actually is pretty liberating me. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, we should uh, we should distribute this to gym teachers of the United States of America to yeah. get this to get this understanding of the bottom of mentality out there because For sure. I mean this what you're talking about is is being the kid who plays basketball in the basketball unit in gym class or being oh, yeah. being the hockey player kid. It's the yeah, who, it's the hockey player who scores every time it's, in gym class. It's floor hockey. Yeah, and you've like, been training. You're not the best guy. You're not the best guy on the floor on the on the actual hockey team. Maybe you're yeah, playing like, junior yeah, gold. Yeah, you're in second line. But 
it's gym class and it's floor hockey. So now it's off. your time to shine. The switch is up. You turn it. No, long, no longer. It's a mama mentality. No longer are you passing it to the best guy on the team who you know is going to score. It's gym class. You're dunking it. You're yeah. going the distance. You're going up and down. Mm-hmm. Blue well, line, was, blue line, making a, it happen. I mean, what you're talking about is in, in gym class, there always was a unit that, say, if you were a basketball player. It's on. It, you wouldn't hold back. And nope. you just beat the crap out of everybody in gym mm-hmm. class. And everybody knew, like, oh, it's hockey. You know, John's going to go crazy. Here Watch he goes. Yep. Careful. Oh, boy. You it's better, so, like, it's the not... soccer unit. Tom's going to just really kick everybody's butt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's gosh. hard to flip it on, flip it off. But uh, we're kind of taught how to do that at some level. But I think going that extra distance of just creating it has helped. Mm-hmm. It's big. And, mm-hmm. like, Sasha Fierce. So think of Beyonce. Yeah, she's done so that. So she's a great example. She, Lady Gaga has done that Lady as well. Lady Gaga's done it. Uh, Bo Jackson actually did that. Uh, he, to a, also, he, um, I mean, all those rappers came up with alter egos. I think that was just to get on the train of it. But true. it's it's a, to a certain degree. I mean, Nicki, was it, or is it Cardi B or Nicki Minaj? I'm pretty sure it's those. I think they're the same person, but different people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard to distinguish. I, can't, I, I don't listen uh, to music enough, so I can't tell, but. Very similar styles. I'm sure they're very different. Well, so it's a funny story. Um, I listen to a lot of music, but I don't listen to a lot of music that a lot of people listen to in the United States. It's an understatement. Yeah. And Just seeing your recommendations <laughs> to everybody. Yeah. So there's this music channel on our Slack team thing, mm-hmm. and people post songs that they listen to. Oh, boy. Yeah. And Do you, you hit know, it up? Well, I'll, t- I'll get there. So it's... For those of you that don't know, Slack is an inter-office communication channel. Think of it like a bunch of different chat rooms that you can chat about. You know, uh, the engineering team has one, and the design team has one, and the product team has one. And, you know, within that, there are all these different topic areas to organize your communication channel so you're not just blasting emails at everybody and copying everybody all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so there's a Slack channel that one of them is music, and people have shared, like, what they're listening to and you know they got Spotify playlists and all this mm-hmm. stuff and it's a lot of like alt sort of rock kind of a little bit punk they're pretty safe yeah I would say so yeah it's I it's mean. it's not driving techno music by any means <laughs> so <laughs> I posted this uh I mean it's not that intimidating it's only an hour long techno set <laughs> Just dive in. <laughs> Wait, I probably could have like, you know, weed it, waded into the water with uh, a three-minute guy with the three-minute YouTube video equivalent of like one of the more well-known yeah, well, artists. Just dropping a Vici track. On yeah, it. exactly. I like house music. Oh, uh, house. Levels, yay! yay. Oh, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. This is relatable. I like this. I've we are Swedish house before. music listeners. <laughs> you oh, know? we like this music. And no, I went um I went right for the Dutch tech house mm. hour long set. Just put them in the basement, huh? I I put them in house dance music. I we are in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is my we favorite are listening track. to house music. Oh, it's 8 a.m. and I've been doing this for nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> the sun comes up and we are still dance partying. Oh, I have been at this dance party for nine hours. Ooh. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it's like 8 a.m. Or, you know, it's it's 11.30 on a Tuesday or whatever. So I blast it off. Mm-hmm. Write a little blurb about this is Joris Vorn playing at Tama Club in Poland. You know, like, hey, this is, you, you can listen to it. Crickets. Mm-hmm. It's been several days. Have not gotten a lot of feedback from the music channel. In fact, it's grinded to a halt. <laughs> I've stopped. Everybody's listening to your one track. Yeah, they haven't. They they haven't gotten through it yet. (laughs) They're still in the basement with the dance party. Uh, Oh, my glow stick is still shining. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I don't know if we're gonna. The tech team is distributed, so you know maybe when we get everybody located in the same. I mean, and this is coming from. uh, There was a guy who put a request out there that was hey we're all remote so why don't we during the inter-office party get together and like everybody can have a drink and we can have our own virtual happy hour which i thought was a really like endearing thing for somebody to do video type happy hour yeah Mm -hmm. that takes a lot of balls to be like i'll i'm enough of this team that i will Sit at my computer. Sit at my computer and hang out with you guys during my free time while everybody else is socializing at a party. I'll do the exact same thing I do every day, except turn on video chat. Except this time, maybe I'll have a beer and then I'll talk about the quality of the hops with you guys. Yeah, you know we talk I mean? about. Ooh, I like this. This is a nice beer. This is a, and not a lot of the, no driving music, um, but a lot of micro brew talk. I would imagine. Oh, that's the stick standard. measuring micro micro standard. brew talk. Oh, I've, I haven't been there yet. Oh yeah, yeah. You should go there. It opened last October. <laughs> They've got a tour you can do. And yeah, if you it's right next to a fish and chips place, there are a couple beers that don't taste like shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've tried them all, and I have diarrhea. <laughs> We're bad use cases for the micro. I know the beer market for us just doesn't quite do it. Well, the gluten intolerance thing, or whatever you want to call it, and whenever I say that, I always throw the hereditary celiacs out just so people know that I'm not like a trendsetter. I'm like, yes, my entire mother's side has celiac disease diagnosed. So, you know, you can stuff your whole trendsetting gluten thing up your ass. You could just follow me into the bathroom after a meal if you really want to just shove it. I've gotten that comment before and I said, well, you know, there is something, there is an after effect of eating gluten and I get it. And it can be sometimes, shall we say... Um, unpleasant. Unpleasant, yeah. So or noticeable. Like, I've, I've, <laughs> yeah. <I've>... Uncharacteristic. <laughs> it's, this, is a, this is a non-normal Obvious. experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, frustrating. <laughs> um. It's hard to... Sometimes it's hard to understand the downstream effects of your decisions, but sometimes... Pretty cut and dry. It's or quality rather feedback. wet, you know. Quality <laughs> feedback. On you. Either sweating either, doesn't. There's either a lot of feedback or no feedback for a considerable <laughs> amount of time. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> I usually get some feedback about my decisions I, by now. <laughs> I think I'm a little delayed on my response, yeah, I, and I feel bad. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, and then when the feedback comes, it's again very obvious yeah. what decision you made. So it's a it's for, in your face feedback. Yeah, of, for those of you that may have not experienced that, and there the are whole, some people that are hopping on the train. I get it. And sometimes all I'm saying is when I drink a real hoppy beer like that, I get some feedback right away, and I just know that like 
I don't know about this. But it's it's bad because the feedback, I'm getting more aware of it, and so now I can tell when it's even when I eat something if it goes down my throat. Yeah, your throat go, swells. I know. Uh-huh. I'm just it's like, very unpleasant. Here we go. Yeah, and we're I, gonna be in for a long ride today. So I, I don't want to disparage the microbrew drinkers because I'm sure there's a lot of people with you know that get a lot of joy out of that but mm-hmm. sometimes i i walk out of those places or it hit the second it hits my stomach i'll be able to tell basically like mm-hmm. oh this yep isn't sitting very well no and that message was sponsored by just brown underwear yeah because if you need if you if you hang out with a lot of microbrew enthusiasts and you find yourself in situations that we've described We've got the you underwear. Might need some help. Yeah, you might need feedback-free underwear because it's hard to order. If you if you're getting a, a lot of feedback all the time at is, those breweries, yep. or you can you can say, "Hey, let's go to the." I like distillery. the kombuchas, though. You know, oh, kombuchas, the kombuchas are great. Are I think great that's there. the that's the new push, which is great. Mm-hmm. I think people are making it diversity. Mm-hmm. Diversity for us, us celiac folks. It's a tough life. Yeah, it is, but when you realize how much healthier your body is by mm-hmm. cutting out carbs, it's like insane. I mean, our it's mother... It's hard to lose weight. It's not hard to lose weight. Our mother is a shining example of somebody who hasn't eaten, you know, wheat in 29 years, 27 years. craze. And she's always been in fantastic shape, and, you know, obviously food choices is a big contributing factor to that, so... When you look at our family, too... Yeah. We have, we make good choices food-wise. Yeah, and it really is a learning, uh, a, a skill because making good food choices requires not only money but know-how, planning, planning mm-hmm. time, which is the freedom that not everybody has. You know, no. So, but the if grocery you, store. if you continue to listen to uh, Rumpus Room podcast, though, chances are you're on the train of giving yourself more time and space to do those sorts of. Uh, you know, level up things. So this has really been another best practice episode. I think today we run best practices, career, career you know, best practices, career best practices. Yep, a little bit of uh, beer, gluten free best best practice mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. How to stay stay uh, woke and gluten free. Yeah, which I've uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't place myself in the in the woke category for many things, but no, perhaps this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Not exactly one of those. People, I don't even know what it means. Well, I did hear one of the best phrases that I've heard in a while, which is the woke Olympics. Do you know what that is? Mm-mm. Let me set the scene here. So, a friend of mine is a PhD who leads the counseling psychology program for the University of Minnesota, or she's one of the advisors for the counseling psych program. And um, so what you have is a bunch of future therapists that are getting together and talking about, um, you know, their therapy practice, mm-hmm. helping th- people through issues. And it's very important as a therapist to be self-aware because anytime you get involved with somebody, you risk the, you know, the potential outcome of spewing your own baggage mm. out into the situation. So there's a lot of inner work that has to be done in terms of, I'm going to try and make sure that I'm not unloading my shit on you and complicating your life, right? Yeah. Because you really have to kind of have your shit in order such that you can be more of a pure objective reflector. Of nice to hear that that is the education they're getting. I, I I hope so. And this woman is very much, She's I have tons of respect for her. So, yeah, she mm-hmm. is 
you know, she's focused on that. But um, she said a couple of there are there are two white straight men in the program of twenty five, mm-hmm. and everybody else is you know gender fluid, trans, lesbian, gay, trauma this trauma that mm-hmm. non 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 straight white male basically right, mm-hmm. and she said that it has become somewhat of a woke Olympics in terms of whoever is like the most shall we say disadvantage yes like mm-hmm. has more clout and regardless of skills and abilities I, all i'm saying is the woke olympics is not a meritocracy shall we say that's yeah that's a good way to put it yeah and mm-hmm. so it's it's an interesting trend that i wanted to be to share with our listeners because well and this brings up the point i think we were talking about status versus wealth And so in a society where status matters more than wealth. So you think of we are now in a wealth created society. Socialism is more of a status created society Mm -hmm. because there's a hierarchy in a status created society there. It's a zero sum game. Someone's on top and someone's on bottom. So you have to limited. You have to put somebody else down to put yourself up. Because there's only so much to go around. Mm-hmm. And in a wealth created, it's a positive sum game. So everybody wins in that game. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, not everybody you, wins, but you can the opportunity that. is you. we all win at the same time. Yeah. So you think of in the example I was thinking of is, uh, let's just say you're an entrepreneur and you create a company that's $100 million. Great. You did great. Well, in a social, in let's just say socialism, you half of that goes towards the society. So you get 50. So you're half as inclined to produce. And so then there's only 50% left, but a lot of that doesn't get to the value you, the people you're creating the value for. Mm-hmm. So it's basically just taken from you because of a certain status of an individual. It doesn't, there's no merit meritocracy you talked about to taking of that value and so just yeah it's just it's given because Mm -hmm. of your positioning in this place which is really difficult to advocate for progress and this is obviously my personal view but it's difficult to advocate for progress in a society if there's always somebody or something that's taking a large portion because what it is is it's taking it away from the people you're creating it for Mm -hmm. truly and then it disincentivizes creation because it's like, well, then I'm just going to try to get the status so I don't have to do the thing. Well, and obviously we're, there's some ideal sort of equilibrium, yeah. or, you know, middle ground where you've got the incentives and then you also have the person, you know, the social support or whatever it is. So, well, there's definitely welfare and things like that that are, are necessary. Um, and I think that that's when you think of even like, okay, communism or some of these more these other examples that are a little more specific but i'm just specifically talking about to like now status and wealth if status is the what do we value more status or wealth and the example was if a journey like let's just say you create this company people are ripping on jeff bezos because oh my gosh you make so much money oh my gosh he makes up sunny so it's bad well what that's actually doing is saying 
my views are more important than him. He's such a bad guy. And it's more of a selfish play. It has nothing to do with like me. It's actually putting the journalist or themselves up above the accomplishments of the accomplishments. I should have some of yours because yeah, he created this entire, I mean, and then it's kind of like, well, do you have an Amazon prime membership? You probably do. (laughs) So so you're going to go out there. Do you enjoy your Amazon Prime membership? Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like you don't. Yeah. So then why do you have it? So then why do you have it? And now (laughs) you're writing this article. And what obviously they're searching for is I want to be published so that I become more famous. So that I can, you know, so the difficult thing, it's a status play. And I just think in the long term of a society, you need to start thinking about this stuff and what do we value and what do we continue to support and what do you support with your money and what do you support like we all have the ability to support whatever we want to so i can't tell you what to believe i can't tell anybody what to do if you want to buy a subscription to new york times that's you supporting the new york times if i I have that decision not to it's what you put your money in your mouth to you know Mm -hmm. that's what you have the ability to choose and Nobody can tell you what to do, but if you're making these decisions, that's kind of what you support. Well, a couple of quick anecdotes. Uh, the So I've got some friends of mine who are from Norway, and very early on in my, shall we say, um, social upbringing and intelligence. Uh, <laughs> you're I, in the experimentation I was phase? In the, yeah, it was very exploratory phase. They were telling me about how like uh, an investment banker in Norway maybe makes 25% more than a cashier at a grocery store. Mm. But the cashier at the grocery store works 35 hours, tons, same exact vacation package, everything. Mm. And for only 25% more, which at the end of the game is really not all that much. If you want to talk about like the amount per dollar hour. Sure. You're perhaps working 80 hours a week, which could be, double you could actually be making less money on a per dollar basis than somebody who is sure you have more money quality of life though right Mm -hmm. and where in the united states it's like investment banker versus a cashier cashier at a grocery store not even in the same discussion i mean it's 200 versus 36 you know what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. ridiculous so um I I don't I don't I'm not advocating for either one of those solutions because I don't you know I just thought it was kind of an interesting way to think about how those societies are more egalitarian and obviously you know quality of life and whatever that's interesting Mm -hmm. too but I heard this speaking of you know governmental systems we I just heard this quote um, this anecdote on Minnesota Public Radio coming home from uh, one of my clients and they said that uh, Vladimir Putin has invited a delegation to his manor, shall we say, to evaluate rewriting the Russian Constitution. Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, you don't have to go very far to understand that he's probably writing it in a way so that he could consolidate power, Mm. which to me is so freaking ironic because for these more communist countries it's always been like the state before the individual mm-hmm. and it's like succession planning is the definition of the state before the individual mm-hmm. because if the state is before the individual like what you recognize is that 
my ability to give to the state probably diminishes over time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, it's not like as you get older, you're, I don't, I don't know. I, and it just strikes me as very selfish to think about, like, a dictatorship, even though the state's first. It's like, how, is it really that hard to make that intellectual understanding? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you also look at something like China, which is going on right now with the virus. This exact thing happened with SARS. So there was a big problem in a city. The mayor got fired, the health person that got fired because they lied about all the metrics you know, and then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, there's way more people sick than they should be. And then they put somebody on it, but it's like, okay, they didn't learn from that. Yeah. And I'll just throw this out there that I work with a Chinese national and he thinks that the reason that Xi Jinping has, um, decided to remove term limits for the president is because he's consolidating consolidating power for the eventual take back of Taiwan. Mm. So just wanted to put that on the books. So you heard it here first (laughs) when it happens. Here it goes. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it'll be interesting. Another interesting Chinese Taiwan fact. In both of the constitutions, China writes that it owns Taiwan. And in the Taiwanese constitution, it says that they own mainland China, which I thought was pretty funny. And Mm. when it was drafted, you know, in the 60s or whatever, Obviously, there was... They just write it in? I, kind of. And they just keep it that way because if either one of them changes it, they're worried that it'll like trigger an international dispute. So mm. we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, it's, who uh, knows? I, I do think it's interesting to see how our country does business with these countries. So how do we either support their economy or not support their economy or get taken advantage of by their economy or take advantage of it? Mm-hmm. You know, right now is a fascinating time and Trump's running around with trade deals as a big thing. And it's just interesting to see what we value from them and how we deal with these countries because they are very different than we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll end on that super positive note. Yeah, well, I mean, you can get yourself ahead of the game, a pair of JBUs, uh, or just catch us next week when we'll be back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room. Give a chance to nobody But I just did it for our